beautiful mission. It's always flat and sometimes sunny. <laughs> dig that, man. Just dig it.
Okay, that's much better. Uh, yeah, thanks so much for tuning in. And last Friday was a bit of a rough day. And glad to be back here again and be sharing more information for you all today. <sighs> Taking a deep breath. We are broadcasting live from Mutiny Radio. And Mutiny Radio is of people and nations.org. Acknowledgement tab. We have a lot of resources, places to donate, history, uh, mutual aid, maps of the lands we're living on, indigenous lands we're living on, states, as well as a thread of articles. So please, again, bbjweb.org and Mutiny Radio Network. Starting off with some music, uh, remembering. Much more in loss of love, I would say. Those as friends and family and memories there. I'll post the link to this album highlights by Peter on Bandcamp. Post the link. have some news stories and action items and So last week had a lot of technical difficulties. I was quite embarrassed. Uh, heard a lot about this album. Started a couple of times and then it stopped at the end. It was just Oh, it was one of those days. So I wanted to replay it in full today and also provide some more information on the website as well, uh, parts which is the organization that 
Brianna and I speak about. So here is an interview I did a couple weeks ago with uh, Adriana Camarena, and we talk about CART and a few other things. Really important organization of folks, many folks who have come together to provide alternatives to calling the police when it's so needed and urgent. So this talk is maybe about 32 minutes, and then we have a little extra snippet afterwards. And after that, I will check back in, play some more music, and then we've got some more news items to share with you all. And also on our website, weeklyweb.org, I forgot to plug in it, uh, we have like a lot of links there. So some of the items that we mentioned in this interview, as well as uh, CART, we have a link to their page where you can find a way to get involved. Great. So uh, here we go. Thanks for joining us. If you'd please uh, like to introduce yourself to our listeners. Sure, um, and thanks for having me on. Uh, my name is Adriana Camarena. Uh, I am with, I work with the family of Luis Gongora Pat um, with our organization, Justice and Honor for Luis Gongora Pat. Uh, Luis was homeless at the time that he was murdered by two San Francisco police officers on April 7th, 2016. And um, a, a few months back, uh, I think it was almost a year back we started conversations about this, but uh, we joined up with a broad coalition of organizations who responded to a call from the police. It actually came from, from the police commission to establish an alternative response to homelessness. Mm -hmm. uh, and this is how I joined up with this group that has now recently put out a report, a community plan for a Passionate alternative response team to end policing of homeless populations. Yes, yeah, I was looking at the website, which folks can find at cartsf.org, and there's a there's a there's a lot there's a lot there, and it's also definitely long overdue, and really grateful for all the folks who have put it together. So I thought we could just maybe start talking about the the summary. I it looked like that folks were going around actually talking with folks who are unhoused about what's needed for them. Um, which of course is the best way to go about things. So I thought maybe we could start there and talk about how the the plan came into being. Sure, and um, yeah, and, I, and just as a broad overview, so we see where the community survey comes in. Mm -hmm. um, there's, uh, we did a community survey with unhoused um, neighbors to understand what they would like to see in the compassionate alternative response and the team that they would like to see happening. And we also did a lot of background research into what other programs exist. Mm. And did our own research also with the city, uh, separate to that, um, with the Department of Emergency Managers, Management in particular, to understand how calls come in, how they could be diverted to a new response. So that's kind of like the broad strokes of the, of the project. But the survey specifically, um, it is really interesting because we learned um, that one of the primaries, of course, our unhoused populations have suffered a lot of police abuse, especially uh, related even to the contact that happens between the DPW uh, responding to encampments accompanied by police. And, um, and they would obviously benefit and want an alternative response to policing. Um, so one of the first things that they would love to see is, you know, more resources so that they yeah. can get out of a condition of home homelessness. Right, right. Right. 
Um, but the other thing that very strongly came up is that they would also uh, informed us about who they would want to have on the team responding. And they do would ask that people who have actually experienced conditions of homelessness be mm -hmm. part of these teams. Yes. Mm -hmm. So those are uh, some of the things that, that we learned from the survey. Um, and they also helped shape the some of our core values around um, making sure that there was a, there was a compassionate uh, response that we uh, made sure to en engage towards providing resources in those contacts, um, and that it should be you know a free of charge, confidential, voluntary, <laughs> non-threatening, non-punitive, and life-affirming process for people uh, who are engaged. Um, and part of the question around having people who, and I'll go a little bit into the, um, the specific services that we would like to see, but mm -hmm. they were also very interested in making sure that part of the process is around educating people who are actually calling the police. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. So that's around the community survey, right? Mm -hmm. um, uh, and making sure that they get the assistance that they need rather than enter another process of criminalization. Right, right. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's certainly frustrating. I like run out of the, the words to use, but just how frustrating it is to see people uh, want to further criminalize folks who are unhoused. It's just so, it's disgusting is what it is. It is, and, you know, it kind of, um, it's a little bit of a segue into the, research we did on dispatch mm -hmm. um, because we we knew that what we needed to do is um, engage uh, from the point of, of public answering of 911 calls we needed to catch calls that would be a good for the programming for a new alternative response mm -hmm. and I don't know how much um, listeners may know about dispatch but we learned a lot yeah. <laughs> And um, and general calls are are separated out into what they call A, B, and C priorities. And mm -hmm. what it really means is like it's a, a grade of how urgent the response needs to be. Uh, the target time for an A priority response time has to be seven minutes. You know, for mm -hmm. a B priority has to be twenty minutes, and for a C priority is an hour. You know, so there's more flexibility. So based on also other programs that exist, we knew that um, we were actually looking initially at the C priority call. And then we started looking at the data with the Department of Emergency Management and 45% of the calls, uh, C priority calls, come in on a range of issues that um, what they call 917 calls, which are uh, suspicious persons, uh, 915 <sighs> suspicious vehicle, 601s which are trespassing, and you also have others, uh, the 919s, which are the fifth light law ordinance. These are your, uh, the, your, the bulk of your C priority calls, right? The 45% of these calls. Uh, and so when they did a sampling of like the 601s and 917 calls, they realized that they, they are actually the like 50% to the two thirds of those calls are homelessness related. So when you talk about the 601 call trespassing, what it may actually mean, a C-priority call, is someone sleeping in a doorway. 
mm. or or when you uh, have a, a call about a 917 suspicious person, it might just be a homeless person on the street. Yes. And so though that became really interesting to us because right now um, the city, I should say, has initiated a program also called uh, the Street Crisis um, uh, Response Team or Intervention Team. Uh, it's called S uh, Street. Okay. And, and what it does is operates out of the um, it operates out of the um, fire department, but mm -hmm. it only responds to eight hundred calls, which are the mental health calls. Mm. So what we're suggesting that this new program do is that we should have our own hotline also, but also get nine one one calls diverted both from the overflow from yes. street calls but also this other number of calls that I've been mentioning, which we could really provide an alternative response rather than the police showing up in situations where they can't actually do anything. Right. Anything, and anything often, good. <laughs> and oftentimes make it worse. And oftentimes escalate, wrongly escalate, yeah. um, yes. it, it damage people's lives because they criminalize them further. They don't give them the support they need. They traumatize them. And as you know, and I've even heard officers say that they shouldn't be the ones responding to to homelessness related incidents. So there, I, I, I believe that there's a lot of space around these calls to create an alternative response. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, I don't know, you, you tell me, Roman, uh, how you want to do this, but I can oh. go on and on, you know? <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm happy to listen. There's so much to learn. So wherever you feel like you'd like to go next, we could talk about how you became involved with CART um, as a start. Sure. Well, as, uh, as I was introducing myself at the beginning, I have worked with the family of Luis Longora Pat since he was killed in 2016. And Luis um, was a Mayan indigenous um, worker who had fallen in, into a condition of homelessness after he was evicted from his house and the circumstances are un, kind of un, unknown about mm -hmm. how that happened. Um, but from all that I know is that Luis was just sitting on the ground when um, police got involved because they said they somebody saw a knife on him. And it actually, it's a more complicated story, but you just could skip the context of how I got um, involved. but. They arrived and he was just sitting on the ground and within 28 seconds, they fired beanbag weapons and, and firearm bullets and they killed him. So I got involved because we've been um, speaking with his family, with his brother Jose, his cousin Luis, um, for a very long time to create change. And so it was a natural fit for us to want to participate in the development of alternatives to policing around homelessness. And we joined up with the... Uh, Coalition on Homelessness, but there are also a broad variety of uh, partners, and you can find them all on our page. Yes, yes. Uh, Glide and the um, Community Housing Partnership, there's this uh, Lawyers uh, Com Committee for Civil Rights, uh, Code Tenderloin, and many other organizations um, uh, that have participated in the development of this community plan. Um, and right now, I should probably pitch that if anybody's interested, they should. Uh, look at the our, at the cartsf.org website and find the email that you can write and say, I want to be part of the launching of this campaign um, to have uh, to to have an alternate response to policing. But that's how I got involved, and then it was it was the process was 
very very engaging and engaged multiple people multiple organizations it was very, yeah. it was an amazing process where you're like you collaborate and get things done it was but um i ended up on the dispatch uh subcommittee but there were mm -hmm. subcommittees for precisely the research uh part that i can tell you a bit more about researching other programs that sure. were the people who did the community survey and there's a communications team that set up the website and did and is actually leading our leading us in the in our campaign right now to get city support to make part happen. Mm -hmm. um, so just a few more details around the research piece uh, that's really interesting is that we learned that from looking at other programs that there are two kind of elements and it matches up with what our unhoused population was saying in their survey, mm -hmm. which is that the service that CART pr provides, similar to, and the primary model, if people haven't heard about it, is Chasique, which has been operating in Portland for like thir for 30 years. Oh. Um, and there are uh, some other new efforts in Denver and, and here and there that um, also informed our project. Uh, but they do two things. And one is to provide a response to persons in crisis mm -hmm. uh, and also provide community strengthening services. So the persons in crisis responses of the team that goes out there actually has first aid and non-emergency medical service training. They they provide uh, substance addiction referrals and re resources. Uh, they uh, transportation uh, to hospitals and service providers if, if needed. They are skilled in de-escalation intervention and interpersonal conflict resolution, and can provide free counseling and mental health. Uh, referrals. Uh, they also ha are trained in suicide prevention. Um, so, but being knowledgeable about the resources at hand and being able to refer people to those resources is a big part of, of the piece. And then the other part is um, community strengthening, which actually means having uh, having a role in educating people who are calling the police mm -hmm. uh, on unhoused populations. And the idea is to create neighborhoods of compassionate responders. And, and the most important thing, as many people have already pointed out, having allowing them to have an option, because if you don't have yes. an option, it all ends up going back to 911 and never, right. never leaves, no? Yeah. Um, and so as part of this, uh, you know, the, it's working community, working with the unhoused populations, and also working with the city authorities who are getting these calls so that eventually we also identify uh, these group of calls of which we also plan to expand over time with mm -hmm. careful thought and, and analysis um, in terms of what we are learning continuously. Um, but it is an idea of like, stop seeing them as policing calls, which, you know, police come from a, a mindset of criminalization and mm -hmm. actually start seeing them um, as medical responses or health right. responses to a street situation. Already the 800 number is being assigned, uh, sorry, 800 dispatch code is being assigned an alternative medical dispatch code called the 25 Alpha Zero. So that right now, um, these calls that are being answered by uh, skirt, I, I think they call themselves skirt and not street, <laughs> skirt, um, that the city response team is actually getting both codes. And eventually the idea is that you only use a medical code. 
So we'll be, we're suggesting that we will be working with the Department of Emergency Management so that these key priority calls right now that are, you know, six to one trespasser, 917, uh, uh, <laughs> a suspicious person are more adequate, adequately coded mm -hmm. um, to reflect the situation of a person under a severe situation of human rights violation already <laughs> who needs support. Yeah. <laughs> no? Um, so that's a little bit more of what I can tell you about the research bit. And I guess um, a, a question that also comes up often is like, what, what does it cost? What will this cost? And so right now, based on other programs, um, we are considering that this will be a $6.8 million project. Mm -hmm. um, and the city for this uh, project already has on reserve um, a two million dollar budget because it was discussed from the from the sorry and I said I think I said the police commission had issued a resolution it's the board of supervisors who had issued uh, a resolution calling for mm -hmm. an alternate response and so they are holding this fund and so now what we would like to see happen especially as we phase out police response and phase in part is that we would want that that alternative response be funded from police uh, yes. Uh, uh, budgets, no, like take that budget from the police and give it to this new program. <laughs> Definitely, and there is plenty of it. There's plenty of it, and this is just really, literally a drop in the bucket. But yeah. of course, we're not stopping there. What we are standing by is that we need less policing in general, and that mm -hmm. police budget should be cut significantly. Part yes. of it to to serve part, but also to serve other other valuable city programs. Right, right. Mm -hmm. And um, so, um, go ahead. Oh no, please go ahead. Um, I I I guess in my I started thinking in my mind about um, I started thinking about um. Uh, anyway, I'm sorry <laughs> when I got distracted. <laughs> There's a, a hundred things I could tell you, but let me know what what is interesting to you. I mean, all of it is interesting, which I know doesn't really narrow it down too much. Um, I guess we could we could talk about like the next steps then. Sure. So we have done a, a press conference, and actually, if people want a little bit more detailed information about these uh, all these areas of the community plan that I've talked about, you can find a link to our our press conference on the CART website. Um, but we are asking that if people are interested uh, in joining the CART effort, that they write, they contact us at CART, C-A-R-T, at, at the Coalition of Homeless SF. That's at CART at C-O-H-S-F.org. Um, and mention that you would like to join the, the campaign. Um, and also for uh, for other media, if they're interested, we'd be very happy to answer questions because right now we're we're gonna we need to. Last year, as you all remember, there was a big call to disband SFPD, but part yes. of the problem was that there wasn't um, coverage that was tangible tangible enough for people mm. to say this when you defund the SFPD and these areas of work that you would like to see um, attended by another group of people, skilled people, 
we it, it happened so fast that there wasn't this alternative. So now we have an alternative, and mm -hmm. we need to work within the budget cycles. So we are asking people to join this effort now. Yeah. And then as individuals, um, please uh, talk to your supervisors and tell them how much you support this project. I know there's a police commission meeting tonight. Like, just hit them up and let them know that uh, there's uh, support to defund the SFPD and and support projects uh, just like HARP. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I have a question. What would be? What do you think are the biggest obstacles or things that folks can really focus their energy on to help get HARP moving? You know, I would say that it is precisely the 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 budget cycle. Nothing happens without this budget being assigned to CART. Mm -hmm. um, but once that happens, I think there will even be a call out to, to staff it appropriately and, and, and track it appropriately. We, will, we are suggesting in our report that we will also be um, creating a, a working group, ongoing working group with the Department of Emergency Management and the existing uh, search projects uh, and we will be tracking this information and making it public. So um, I think the more we can inform people, yes. and, but at this very moment, the more you can engage in the with your supervisors and and um, the police commission around the need to uh, divert funding away from the police to alternative responses to policing, such as CARP. That's mm -hmm. the main issue for me. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Making a note of that. <laughs> <laughs> Making a note. <laughs> oh yeah, because I think it's. I mean, it's also just so helpful because I do believe that there are a lot of folks who would like to help, but are just maybe unsure of how to do so. So right. having concrete examples of ways to go about doing that is is very helpful. Right, and again, if you belong to an organization that would like to support this uh, project, we are we are gathering up right now um, mm -hmm. to make this a very successful. Um, First effort, and there are other efforts that are going to come along. Um, the the mayor has a working table that's also looking at other alternatives. So this is our community plan. This is what we would like to see happening. But it is aligned and is with other projects um, oriented to uh, developing many and several alternatives to policing that support our black and brown and indigenous communities. Yeah. 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 Um, are there other pieces of this you'd like to share, or um, other topics? No, that's my main thing. I guess I could um, mention that there are other. Uh, that's what I was going to say. There are other suggestions that we have in our report. Okay. Um, yeah. Towards, uh, you know, we are asking the police police commission, um, you know, fire officers when they brief time and distance policies that escalate situations and. Mm -hmm. We have other, um, uh, we would like to have through the H Block Center to homelessness. We would, we are suggesting that they eliminate um, H Block because it all, all it has created is a, it's a police response alongside DPW to, to encampments that has aggravated situations while diminishing the work of the outreach teams that do have for homelessness that could actually be very beneficial dedicated to them, themselves to what they originally were supposed to do, which is provide, provide resources and refer referrals, no? So we are um, making suggestions along the way about how, 
how the city can improve its own program, you know, its own uh, program. Mm -hmm. May I ask a, a clarifying question? I heard uh, HSOC. Is that um, what is that exactly? So <laughs> that goes back to a little bit to to its best, no? Okay. But so the city um, created uh, I think it's called the Homeless Center Operating Center. Um, okay. And it's a, sorry, Homeless Services Operating Center. And what it ha happened is that before its creation, and <laughs> you know, I don't know exactly the backstory, but it it is related to the creation to the to the passing of the acid light ordinance, mm -hmm. um, which made it uh, you know an infraction to sit or lie on the street. And so um, the the there became became a there started to be a flood of calls towards nine hundred one around these nine nineteen codes, which are the sit lie ordinance, but also just the tag that was just nine fifteen homeless people, you know that kind of homeless people nine fifteen. So with the H stock center, what happened is that they create they they started diverting those calls towards um, the H stock center directly to the three one one center. And then HSOC was supposed to provide the appropriate resources to respond to homelessness in the city. But what it has become is mostly uh, a reaction to send out uh, clearing crews from DPW and often, no, almost always accompanied by police. And so that has actually aggravated the conditions for people who are living on the street rather than create any improvement. And it's just a shuffling of people from one street over to the next without providing real solutions. So uh, that's why we're also suggesting that the H stock be eliminated. Um, yeah, and this is all related to how the 311 has been used. Um, that we're also suggesting that from now on, all these 915, 919 calls just come to parks. Like mm -hmm. we'll, we'll deal with it. <laughs> Yes. And if DPW yeah. has to be called, call DPW, but do not with the presence of police. Never with the presence right. of police. Yes. So it is. It'll take a. It'll take a village. It'll take a village of yes. people to to uh, to work on this. And this is why one of the most important aspects of the project is to have um, built communities and strengthening mm -hmm. computer resilience around this, so that we understand what are more appropriate responses to homelessness. And it is certainly not criminalization of somebody who's suffering from severe human rights violations for lack yes. of housing and other ba basic necessities. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah. What? Uh, let me know if something else uh, caught your attention uh, around uh, around what I've mentioned. Um, but yeah, just uh, sometimes it's important to clarify we are talking right now about only a response to to situations in the street. Mm -hmm. um, although there are some circumstances we could see responding to in 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 shelters. Um, mm -hmm. And while though we're only talking about street priority um, calls for the initial rollout, we are suggesting that we should sit down and look carefully at the concept and synthesis of three priority calls 
which which may turn out to be a situation for bringing in a skilled de-escalator. Um, yes. That is, that is not from the police department um, to benefit the community. Um, so that's something that I think we have gotten questions on before. Yes. You'd, you'd mentioned a few other organizations, like there's one in Portland you mentioned, uh, CAHOOPS, and I was curious about other, either other organizations that you're aware of, um, in addition to the ones you mentioned, and or if there had been anything similar that had been done in the Bay Area in the past that um, we could either learn from or connect with? You know, the definitely the more uh, the most important um, example is Cahoots, mm -hmm. and we did have long conversations with them to understand what they had would have even what they would have changed starting out. And one of these things precisely was to create our own separate hotline that they have, but that mm -hmm. they really think that is important so that people truly have an alternative to calling nine one one, and also that they also in the intake process have a better idea of what the situation is and, and if it's a good situation to which they can respond. But yeah, Cahoots with 30 years experience, but the, the truth is that um, Denver has started are rolling out different programs, um, mm -hmm. uh, but it's all, everything's at a very initial stage. So yeah. I would say that this would be a front running uh, effort, yes. um, not in terms of, of course there has been efforts uh, born from the community, on ongoing efforts mm -hmm. to um, not call the police. <laughs> yes. Uh, and, and other community responses. Um, shout out to our friends, uh, our property scholars at Home <laughs> Magazine, <laughs> you know? Um, a lot from them. Exactly. And so, but I would say that, that in terms of actually engaging and deviating calls away from at the point of dispatch to mm -hmm. an alternative, but th these are very new programs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there's, it's, a, it's a lot there, and um, it's very, it's, it feels good to have something to, to hope for and to, to work towards. I think it's easy to point out what's wrong and what isn't working, and then it's so much more difficult to then take the action to create the type of world that we want to live in. So it is, it's inspiring to know that this is, this is all happening. Yeah, and I think our, our hope is that, well, this, is, this effort focuses around um, alternative responses to homeless, right? Mm -hmm. Alternative to policing, uh, homeless populations. But I ho we hope that once we see that their results can be tangible, there can be other um, efforts that are similar in terms of how else respond to situations of, um, you know, suffering or, or even conflict in the community, where mm -hmm. we don't have. Um, yeah. Again, there have been many community efforts, but it's a time where you need to really stop the presence of police. You do need to engage the police. Um, is there anything else you'd like to share, either well, about I, art? Or what what I want to, I guess it's um, just last thing is to really tell people that this is a very inspired, inspired and inspiring uh, effort because sometimes you engage in big coalition efforts and feel like you don't get anywhere, 
And this yes. is one place where people really, we started working right away and we worked with um, uh, pretty quickly and, and, and also with a lot of enthusiasm uh, very little friction, and I think it's because we've all been waiting for this to happen. <laughs> so yes, it can, yeah. So it can happen. This is this effort to um, are here to stay. <laughs> yes. Uh, and it's uh, one more question, I guess, would be um, any words for folks, perhaps in other cities, who would like to start uh, a coalition of their own or work to create this in their in their own towns, cities. You know, our research team did so much work that isn't even reflected in our report that I think they would be so happy to get a call. <laughs> oh, sure. I'm happy you know, to talk say, with And say, you know, uh, hey, what else did you learn? What 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 can you share with us? Like, yeah. like what didn't make it into the report that you found really interesting? Because yeah. they, even looked, uh, they even looked at examples in Europe, you know, that um, of how, how else things are managed there. Or you never involve the police in any of these in these countries in in, in these situations, no. So yeah. Um, so yeah. So I th I think if other if there are other cities, other groups that would like to learn more, uh, well, I know that there is an intention precisely to put up more information on our website than maybe on on the report, mm -hmm. so that they can find uh, just what they're looking for. And I'm sure just like we got help from. Um, Cahoots and from other uh, other programs, we will be very happy to give it back. Oh, <laughs> well, thank you so much. And thank you, Roman. Thank you for taking interest, and in, especially at this really key moment where we yes. really need to launch everybody. We need everybody yeah. to <laughs> to propel this project right into into the the public sphere. Yes. Gain broad support. Thanks again so much. Thank you. Terrific. Thanks again. Center and initiate operations, um, and the public was oriented to use 311 on emergency to reach HSOC uh, after January 2018. Okay. Thank you. Sorry, sometimes the. Again, we'll be posting information about Okay, it's going to take a bit of a music break here for a bit, and we'll be back with some more news items after that interesting take.
some of the problems. Next up, I want to provide
recently. Uh, the sheriff's office is beginning to evict residents in San Francisco. We, the West Side Teens Association, are organized to support and defend each other against eviction. WSPA will mobilize participants of the Emergency Response Network, where we will prevent landlords and police from violently removing tenants from their homes. Neighbors will be trained on how to take action safely as we defend our homes amidst a pandemic. You can bring one to two friends and neighbors in the fight to protect our homes. And you can get links via the link in the Google Doc. Um, about eviction defense emergency response network. So um, letting these things go up or share on social media. Um, so I think there's a few other options as well. I'm going to click on that again just to share other options. So you can be willing to share about social media. You can be willing to tell your supervisor or sheriff's office. Um, public pressure is needed. You can call or text two to three neighbors when the sheriff comes. You can provide food, help with neighborhoods who are defending their home. Live in person, witness the sheriff carry out an eviction document and training as recommended. Um, are you willing to sign up for a two to three hour shift to defend your neighbor? Uh, print a list of questions and training as required. Uh, you can also be willing to sign up for two to three hour shifts to defend your neighbor, um, but not risk arrest, training as recommended, and learn something else. Also, if you're able to communicate in other languages. Uh, so, and then we also have training. So, is the only way to move ahead. I mean, another way is to kill landlords. However, uh, let's just say that this is another way. Um, and also just, I mean, even pre-pandemic, the idea of removing people from their homes is just fucking gone. So I appreciate all the organizers who are getting folks together. And again, uh, a, a good reminder that no matter where you are and what your abilities are, uh, there are ways that one can show up and help each other posting this link again on weeklyweb.org when we post the today's episode page with all of the information. Whew. Okay. Um, also, I am going to share an upcoming event that's happening tonight in the CIAF public programs and CIAF community programs. This is Adrian Marie Brown on pleasure activism, February 12th. That's today. Prevailing ideas around social justice activism tend to focus on doing the work, spending long hours, and facing challenges head-on. Activism is rarely associated with consciousness of pleasure, but there is a deep connection between activism and pleasure. Oh, question, excuse me. But can there be a deep connection between activism and pleasure? How do we make social justice the most pleasurable human experience? How can we awaken within ourselves desires to make it impossible to settle for anything less than a fulfilling life? Author, black feminist, and social justice activist Adrienne Marie Brown has been talking, writing, and celebrating the intersection of pleasure and activism in her much-wadded 2019 book, Pleasure Activism, The Politics of Feeling Good. Pleasure activism is a politics of feeling and happiness that explodes the dour myth that changing the world is just another form of art. Drawing on the black feminist tradition, she challenges us to rethink the ground rules of activism, reconnecting with our inner desires and needs physical, mental, emotional, we can become better organizers, activists, and social justice warriors. Join Tanya Shaw, CIAS professor and restorative justice expert, and join me to, uh, for a powerful and joyful conversation exploring how to tap into the full spectrum of our sensual desires and emotional needs while organizing for justice. Whether you're a seasoned activist or new to supporting social justice movements, Adrian invites you to embrace the idea that activism can feel good. You may have a, a link where you can register. Uh, on the page, Center for Feminist Health, one Institute of Feminist Studies. 
and they have a lot of public programs on there. And they used to be in person and now they're online, which is the, the benefit is that one can access that anywhere as long as you have internet. So it's starting at 6 p.m. Pacific time tonight. Uh, it's a $25 suggested donation. And I, I don't believe that uh, anyone's turned away. So again, that's happening tonight at 6 p.m. And I do believe they also tend to save these talks afterwards. So hopefully, uh, if you are li listening to this in the future, um, you can uh, check it out again or check it out when it happens if it hasn't happened yet in this dimension. Okay. So I'm going to take another bit of a music break, uh, get some more stories for you. Thanks again so much for tuning in. You're listening to Mutiny Radio. There are shows here every day of the week. And if you're interested in doing a show here of your own, please do it. We need more voices out there. Go to mutinyradio.fm, get in contact with Pam about training, and you have a show here of your own. You get two hours a week to do whatever you want, which is pretty fucking rad. And uh, support small businesses, art, local business art. Have your, have your voice out there. It's important that everyone has a chance to share their stories. Okay. Here's some more music. And I will be back in a bit. Please do stay tuned.
up This is a little uh, four and a half minute like video. Bezos says he is proud of working conditions at Amazon. Workers say they're being surveilled, treated like robots, and forced to work in extremely harsh environments. Now these warehouse workers in Alabama are organizing to protest. This video came from Amazon. If I had the opportunity to talk to Jeff Bezos face to face, I would really want to ask him, have he ever worked in a warehouse before? Have he sweated for 10 to 12 hours a day and not being able to go to the restroom when he needed to go? The issue of, um, of working conditions, he's very proud of our working conditions. We got cameras, they watching us all the time. It's a lot of walking, it's a lot of fast pace, it's a lot of climbing upstairs, it's just a lot for the human body. It's tiring, it's consistent, it's, it's, it's fast speed. It's unsafe because you consistently working fast pace 10 hours, only, only two breaks. They're getting treated like robots, and, and it's not fair because even robots break down sometimes. I have issues when ladies are talking about POT time, uh, time off task, when they have to go use the restroom, when they're saying that the restroom could be on the other side of the building, that they have to take their walk so far and they're timing them. And when they run out of time, people are calling me emotionally like, Michael, I'm on last chance. They said it's extremely hot in there. They said they have had people to pass out because of the extreme hotness in there. Who get doctored? I get POT time for going to the bathroom. Who get doctored for going to get Going to, going to get water if you need water, if you have to leave off your station. I work on the line. I work in groups. I actually um, open packages, <coughs> store them in the bin, but it's a lot of standing all day. And my day-to-day -day there is working so many hours without having the breaks uh, that we need. It's really strenuous on the body. I've been to the doctor several times with issues with my legs. It's unsafe because you consistently working fast pace 10 hours, only, only two breaks. Amazon would change their schedule in the middle of the night while they're sleeping. They don't even know their schedule's been changed. They wake up thinking that they got an off day and they supposed to be at work at 7 o'clock in the morning. cases every week it's unsafe to me because we don't know who have it we don't know who we've been around who have it I have people with issues about COVID-19 they haven't received a COVID pay they've been on for weeks some people are back to work and still haven't received COVID pay man this is heartbreaking a lot of people need their money they they don't have a way to pay their bills and they're looking for a pay that's supposed to come to them but haven't received it yet. 
They're owned by the richest man in the world, so we know the issue cannot be that he doesn't have the money. <laughs> I feel like every employee, as well as myself, deserve more due to what we do, and and I feel like it's 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 not fair. Amazon says that they're there for the employees. To us, they hear our voices, but they're not responding to our voices. I have a very good team of employees. So we an intermediary between us and our employees. So now with us bringing in the union, we feel better that we have somebody that will sit down and talk to him about the working conditions that we're having and the dignity and respect that we're looking for. We need the union at Amazon to make things better, fast. We need job security, better wages. But a union represent you when you don't have the voice to represent yourself. All right. My thoughts on Jeff Bezos are kind of the landlord I mentioned earlier. Living in a world where Jeff Bezos is basically hoard wealth to treat his employees horrifically around the world. Then I don't know, Jeff desires about what to do with Jeff Bezos. I think we can all imagine, but perhaps collectively, I would like Jeff Bezos to donate his billions of dollars to HGAD. Amazon is a worker owned company, which would be awesome. Put that ener energy out there anyway. Um, in the meantime, with dignity and godliness. Let's, let's let his team see how that turns out. I feel bad for the universe too because fuck him and fuck all the billionaires. Ah. Just putting it out there because it's uh, people are hoarding wealth and stuff like that. Okay. Next up. Ugh. That one. Eh. <laughs> Try not to, uh, you know, sometimes the, the segues are And, oh, yes, I know what I was going to talk about. I know something about, which is on February 20th. It's all, it's all together. So you can say, hey, I want to support these, these workers who are looking to unionize in Alabama. And there's something that you can do. February 20th, which is in eight days. National Day of Solidarity with Alabama Amazon workers, including the Amazon Union. And that's, again, Saturday, February 20th, from noon to 1 p.m. There is a protest. The organizer is Southern Workers Assembly. And location details, all Amazon and Whole Foods stores in the U.S. And I, I, ha I do have to say I'm very proud of myself. I've been this since confiscated. Anyway, well, no. I've been uh, boycotting uh, Whole Foods for a long time now, and it's, you know, they're ubiquitous, and food is something, is a necessity, so it's kind of been tricky. However, um, there are so many reasons to boycott Whole Foods. One thing is, like, okay, it's been a rough few years, however, I, the reason I'm boycotting Whole Foods is, fuck Whole Foods. 
Okay, so February 20th, National Day of Solidarity with Alabama, Amazon workers building the Amazon Union, Southern Workers Assembly protests. Okay, okay. Did I list them out on my thing? February 20th, let's get to the details. National Day of Solidarity with Alabama Amazon workers building the Amazon Union with retail, wholesale, and department store union, RWDSU. Find an action near you at southernworker.org forward slash Amazon. You can email info at uh, southernworker.org to list one. Now is the time to mobilize solidarity with this heroic struggle. Hashtag union yes. Hashtag organize the South. February 20th, National Day of Solidarity. Alabama Amazon workers. Include this link on our webpage as well with more information. So again, February 20th. All right. I'm going to take a little music break once more. And we'll be back. This next song is called Flower Gray.
Many of you have asked how or all of this stuff can happen in such a short amount of time. Lots of people have told us that of the dictatorial power granted by a small section real ID officer at Gov has waived over 80 laws on the border. By waiving every relevant law that protects the environment, culture, archaeology, people, and species on the border, DHS-Gov has willfully destroyed and sacrificed, bulldozed, aguaros, militarized public lands, and severed critical habit habitats for endangered species and listed communities. Among the list of waived laws, the American Indian Religious Freedom Act, National Environmental Policy Act, Endangered Species Act, Native American Rose Protection and Repatriation Act, Clean Air Act, Clean Water Act, Archaeological and Historical Preservation Act, and 77 more. If these laws were allowed to do what they were created to do, what previous generations intended them to do to protect us, there isn't a chance this massive, murderous, $15 billion taxpayer-funded public project would have ever, ever, ever happened, period. And if you're ever curious why indigenous tribes and communities on the border are so upset, why we have to fight this hard and this tirelessly, it's because the people of the border do not have the same rights, laws, and protections granted Thank you to uh, Maxie Adler for um, sharing this. Um, I will make sure that this is read on the page for those who are worried. I'm also going to share the uh, uh, video that got This year, weaving together forgotten communities and making such improvements in our LGBT policies. Beautiful desert. And we haven't done a single thing in process the last with the borderland. And I started this project. 
even know how to process any of that. I didn't know what to do. And I just thought I could spend some time using what was left behind to help start weaving some compassion into this place.
calendar for two thousand and twenty one. Whether it's two thousand twenty, oh God, we're from Thailand. Wow. Okay, oops. Back to my notes. Twitter is about two thousand twenty. And dismantle white supremacy. Well, but again, February twenty first, four p.m. So, Terry, I wanted to ask you. elsewhere in Europe. Um, so this is from at Communist Tug, which is a Marxist Communist on Twitter. Wrote on February 6th, a little bit, uh, a few days ago, days ago, nine days ago. Here it's about 49. AP labor union social movement launched the general strike this Monday against the ongoing security in the country while demanding the resignation of President Devin Nunes. Groups of workers started a strike action with various mobilizations in Port-au-Prince to reject the high levels of violence affecting the population. The union has denounced that the policies implemented by the government of Moyes directly affect the salaries. While rejecting the constitutional reform, the government is pushing, stressing that it does not benefit workers. Meanwhile, social and political movements opposed to the current government also joined the strike action, rejecting the reform of the constitution. The state denounced it was a move solely to get the starting money. So we're talking about
Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a pattern? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of MutinyRadio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. Radio, mutiny, mutiny radio. Billy Bob, you ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be, like, in front of an audience? Like, other than, like, squirrels, dogs, and dead persons? Oh, shoot. From time to time, I've been giving it a thought of two. You know, if you go to joke workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes? And they'll even say nice things to you before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dag nabbit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8? That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! <laughs> I'm Michael Spiegelman. And I am Carl, not Spiegelman. We're hosts of... <laughs> YouTube uh, with Michael Spiegelman. Follow us on podcast by with our acronym L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. We watch a full-length movie on YouTube with you, and you listen to the podcast and yeah. watch the movie at the same right. time. Yeah. L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. That's every Sunday, 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, or if you're Carl, 5%, 5% yeah. Right. Standard I'm so time. lazy. Three hours later, I finally get to the show, 5 p.m. Let's hear the theme song. Oh. Let's watch full length. Let's do a full minute promo. Oh, never mind. Bye. See you next month. I was just leaving the theater. And I started to do some thinking. Flat black glasses. Big spliffs and cruising. Saturday noon to two. On the freeway. I am a total and I will cut Henry! Yeah, Charlie here. Yeah. I have a report here, Henry, from your uh, from your chief nurse, Major O'Houlihan. She makes some accusations, Henry. I, I find pretty hard to believe. Uh, the dude minds, man. 
Safe sex is more than just avoiding STIs and pregnancy, no matter what you're into. Make sure that you and those around you feel safe, comfortable, and are having a good time. This public service announcement is brought to you by your friends at Mutiny Radio. Hey, everybody. Listen to the Weekly Review with Roman every Friday from noon to 2 p.m. This is an unapologetically anti-capitalist program. We interview community organizers, activists, and artists. We talk about ways you can take action right now. So listen in to the Weekly Review every Friday from noon to 2 p.m. My name is Breakfast, and I'm running for Chancellor of the United States of America. For too long, we have gone without a Chancellor who is willing to take bold leaps of faith and logic to create new possibilities for our great, big, fat nation. As your Chancellor, I will balance the budget on the head of a pin, give entertaining speeches, have scandalous affairs, Write strongly worded letters to unpopular foreign leaders. Look good on camera. End all hunger, crime, abuse, war, disease, disasters, sadness, depression, oppression, repression, suppression, transgression, obsession, expression, impression, regression, and digression by signing pieces of paper that express my disapproval of such things. And... Invest in an American flag pin to be worn prominently on my stylish jackets. It's time to work together to take the country back from us and return it to ourselves. It's time to turn this country around and drive it into opposing traffic. It's time to take a chance on the Chancellor. who have an insatiable appetite for all things in life, who scream at nothing and everything at the same time, who dance till sunup, who cause the sun to set again with irreverent bow, who rival the moon with gravitational force, who leave rooms feeling empty and earthquake struck, who don't give a fuck, who make, who do, who dream out loud and laugh like maniacs, who draw shock and awe on faces graced with watching, who create from the soul of an orgasm, who swagger even alone in the shower, who fight with passion, and love with passion and our passion who catapult over cliffs in the name of revolution who would rather die than fall in line to conform who constantly challenge the norm who greet each and every day as if just born i say to you i know your greatness the way a suicide jumper knows weightless just before the impact and in fact i know it best when i say to you i love you (laughs) 
Hello there, my friends out at Mutiny Radio. Chester Cashcock here, giving you my love and regards as well as Moofy's over there. And you know, anytime I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Bamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10. They have a fun time at Pamtastic's Deep in the Mission, where you can laugh off your tushy every Friday for a mere $10. And $10, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with, so to wipe it off for <laughs> is in duty this. And if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, don't worry, don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show in the comfort of anywhere, like your Aspen 